Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 9th of December 2021 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Well, today's stories are bound to make you miss all that traveling we did way back in the days when that was possible. Then again, knowing how they turn out, maybe the nostalgia is not as great as you might imagine. As we enter into the first week of the last month of 2021, we'll be listening to a story from Ella about travelers to Soviet Russia. After Ella, we'll re-listen to a story from Charles about a cultural exchange he was on. Before we get to today's stories, though, a soft hug goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We hear you, Hong Kong. We are listening. Thanks go out to our overseas listeners as well, this week in particular to listeners in Moscow, Russia, The Hague in the Netherlands, and Nango in Japan. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our January show is coming up. Our storytellers will take to the stage at the Fringe Club to tell you their stories on the theme, Reveal. And there may just be a few secrets revealed as well. Pitches are happening now and tickets will be on sale in the first week of January 2022. Info on where to get tickets or how to get involved in the process as a storyteller or even as an audience member can be found on the website hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now with a story from our September 2021 show that had the theme, same, same, but different. Here is Ella. After the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, we became big friends with America. And Americans streamed to Russia investors, consultants, evangelists. The latter wanted to save us from the 70 years of enforced atheism. Actually, religion was not banned in the Soviet Union, but it was frowned upon. It was not socially accepted. My Jewish family were not religious. Very few people practiced any religion at that time. And atheism, yes. This was an official ideology. At schools, we were raised up as atheists. At colleges, we had a course on scientific atheism. Religion is opium of the masses. Religion is hypocrisy and bigotry. War on religion. Religion is the enemy. But to fight the enemy, you need to know the enemy. And I learned so much about different religions and denominations. For example, we were taught that most Protestant denominations were sects. I worked as an English teacher at the secondary school. And this was summertime period. I was offered an interpreting job for American missionaries. I thought, why not? And I agreed. Uh, this was a big project. We were 20 English Russian interpreters, and a team of managers on the Russian side. On the American side, there were managers, travel agents, and all that was headed by Josh, the mind, the heart, and the soul of the entire campaign. And of course, the missionaries who were coming over to Moscow from all over 
the United States of America. I went to the airport to pick up my first group. They were mostly seniors and teenagers. The teenagers wore t-shirts on which it was written, no sex before marriage. <laughs> my task number one was not to leave anybody behind. This was a bit like herding cats. I had to run after each of them saying, this way please, this way please. My task number two was to have all our luggage loaded on the bus for the money that I had for it. And porters at airport, airports always wanted more. Eventually, we were on the bus. I counted them all. And we sat to our hotel. This was a very hot day. I was tired. But I was smiling as broadly as I could to the Americans to show our traditional Russian hospitality. On the way, I was giving some general information about Moscow. And suddenly, one of the Americans asked me, Ella, what do you think about Jesus Christ? <laughs> I didn't want to be rude and to say I do not think about him at all. <laughs> uh, and I was trying to remember what I was told about Christ at our lectures on scientific atheism. Actually, nothing they would like to hear. <laughs> and this is what I said. Oh, Jesus Christ, he was against tyranny. He was against violence. He wanted peace, freedom, and justice for all. He was great, like Mahatma Gandhi. There was a minute of silence. <laughs> I, heard, I heard a lady in her 80s said to another one sitting next to her, who is Mahatma Gandhi? <laughs> uh, the guy who asked me the question smiled and said, was Mahatma Gandhi the God's son? I had to admit that he wasn't. I was very much afraid that the next question will be, what do you think about sex before marriage? <laughs> I did think about sex before marriage. But that was before my marriage time ago. But at that very moment, I was much more concerned about no sex after marriage. <laughs> well, in any case, I was not prepared to discuss any of these on the bus. The next day, Josh was giving an orientation. He came out dressed as an army general and said, we are at war. This is a war on atheism. I thought, sounds familiar a bit, because at our lectures on scientific atheism, they were saying, we are at war. This is a war on religion. <laughs> at the end of his orientation, he presented his book, More Than a Carpenter, uh, this was his retelling of the gospel. The book was translated into Russian. Uh, each group received sufficient amount of books and went to some busy place in Moscow to give the books out to anybody who would pass by. Our venue was in front of the first Moscow McDonald's. 
I knew the area very well. The school I worked at was not far from there. Perfect venue, I thought. There is a very good toilet at McDonald's. <laughs> I was giving out books together with Americans just to speed up the process. We were saying in English and in Russian, free of charge, present from America. And suddenly, I heard a woman's voice. Good morning, Miss Livdanskaya. She called me by my last name. I turned back, and I stopped dead in my tracks. This was the chairwoman of the school where I worked at, Parents' Committee. Her daughter was my student. I could only guess what she thought when she saw me giving out books to strangers in a group of teenagers in their no-sex-before-marriage T-shirts. <laughs> Nothing flattering, I'm sure. She looked at them, and she said, what are they? I smiled. I want to be friendly to her. And I said, oh, these are American Christians. They are sect followers, she said. No, no, they are not sect followers. They're American Protestants. Protestants, see, Protestants are not Christians. Russian Orthodox are Christians, she said. Shame on you. Why do I help them? Have they already converted you? She said and left. Well, if she tells about this episode to the school principal or to other parents, this will not do a lot of good to my professional career. And the next day, I preferred to stay on the bus just to be on the safe side. Uh, my clients wanted to talk about religion with me every day, all day. All day, every day, yeah. And this was a bit too much for me. Uh, are you asking me questions? Are you a Christian? No. Uh, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? No. Do I have personal relationships with Christ? Definitely not. I have personal relationships with my husband only. Needless to say that I did not answer this way. In the long run, they were well-intended people, and they did not want to hurt their feelings. And I was only trying to change the subject of the conversation or would say, I do, belong, I do not belong to any organized religion. This didn't help. They were getting even more insistent. On our bus, there was one of the American managers, Karen. She was a teacher like me, and that was her summer job. I asked her how to stop the talks about religion. Somehow, she, she asked me about my religious background. I said that I was a non-practicing Jew. Karen said, then tell them that you are Jewish and they will leave you in peace. <laughs> I said that and she was right. They stopped talking about religion with me and only one of them said, I'll be praying for your soul, Ella. Ella is very good at sidestepping difficult situations, and if her story makes you think of something that's happened to you before, get yourself to one of our free workshops. You can find them on Meetup or through the links on the website hongkongstories.com. 
now with a very different experience of cultural exchange, first published in March 2020. Here is Charles. It's the middle of the night. I'm lying awake under covers on my bed in the YMCA hostel, New York City. My heart is pounding. My hands are gripping the quilt tight, and my eyes are glued to the other side of my dorm room, where a secret is unfolding. Life. I'm in New York City for a seven-week overseas internship program, which takes place in my second year of college. And during these seven weeks, all participants are required to stay in the same hostel. To keep my budget as low as it can be, I share a triple room. With two guys who come from the same college, different than mine. For the sake of this story and to protect my roommates' identities, I will call them Y and Z. <laughs> y was a sophomore, and Z was a freshman. They had known each other before the internship started. When I first met them, I thought they were two peas in a pod. Both had tan skins, good looks, contagious smiles. And athletic physiques. I enjoyed their company because they were outgoing, and they loved slipping in jokes about themselves to lighten up the conversations and to keep everyone's spirit high. As the internship proceeded, I noticed one thing: my roommates always stuck together. Though they work in different areas of the city. They managed to get up at the same time, freshen up, and go to the subway together every single weekday. I had an impression that they were more than friends. So one night, I hit the sack quite early because I was exhausted after a long day. My roommates texted me in advance that day they would stay out late. Because they were, I mean, they were going to celebrate their friends, their mutual friends' birthday somewhere in Manhattan. The room that I shared with Y and Z had two double beds on each far side of the room. My roommates shared one, and I solely claimed the other. So that night, I went out like a light as soon as my head hit the pillow. But in the middle of the night. I wake to some strange, persistent, squeaky noises. What are these noises? Where did they come from? And these squeaks just get louder and sharper. All of a sudden, I hear a low-pitched moan. So I turn my head in the direction of the moan. My eyes start open and nearly pop out of my head. Our room isn't completely dark because the streetlight streams through the window between our beds, and in the dim light, <laughs> I see the outlines of two bodies entwined on bed. What the heck is going on here? Who are they? And then my eyes shift to the floor. Clothes, pants, and sandals are everywhere. It all becomes clear to me they are my dear roommates. But in this moment of revelation, I don't feel excited, but rather flustered. 
What is wrong with these two gentlemen? What the hell are they doing? At first, I think I'm still in a dream. So I rub my eyes, I pinch my forearms, but the illusion doesn't go away. I'm freaked out. I need some help. So I try to reassure myself with some positive self-talk, and here it is: sex is a basic instinct. There's nothing deviant about it. It's very normal. It happens since the beginning of time. I could even remember the snappy slogan that I learned in sex education class in high school: "Sex is good, just play safe." But at the same time, I can't stop asking myself. Is this for real? I mean, making out in the room where there's someone else physically present—do they not see me? Have they lost their minds? Finally, their sighs slowly die down, and the room falls into silence again. After a while, they get off their beds, dark naked. They are rummaging through their bags, luggage, and drawers. Looking for something. Oh my gosh! They are tiptoeing towards my bed. Do they want to have threesome with me? <laughs> Hell, no way! I'm not into threesome. Threesome is not my thing. Definitely not. So I close my eyes. I hold my breath and shoot my chattering teeth with a quilt as they edge closer. Just when I think they are gonna wake me up and ask me to join them, <laughs> I hear shuffling sound. So I half open my eyes, and my dear roommates just stop right at my nightstand, on which I've placed a dozen unused temple pocket tissue packs for my own use. <laughs> One of the duo picks up a pack, opens it, takes out two pieces of tissues, one for himself. Another for his mate, and they start cleaning up their bellies. Then <laughs> they crumple up the tissues, toss them in the waste bin, and go back to sleep. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Those tissues are mine. <laughs> I bought them with my own money. They, are, they were really expensive in New York City. <laughs> they should have paid before leaving. The next day was a really difficult day. I couldn't concentrate on my work because my mind was totally on this big drama. You know what? It's just the third week of the program. I still have four more fucking weeks <laughs> to spend with those two lovebirds in the same room. So how am I supposed to do with them? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I was preoccupied with this challenge as I went back to the hostel from work. When I entered the ground floor lift lobby, I ran into my dear roommates. With their bright smiles on their faces, they asked me, "Hey Charles, how was your day?" I forced myself into a smile and said, "Good." While we were waiting for the lift, they shared with me some funny incidents that happened in their workplaces. As I listened, I thought, "Ha!、Huh, 
they pretend nothing had happened. So, I play their game by pretending nothing had happened as well. In the weeks to follow, surprisingly and thankfully, they behaved. At night, no more strange squeaky noises, no more intense breathing, and most importantly, no more searching for tissues. <laughs> Time flies, and it's already the last day of the internship. Each participant is required to write a feedback. I mean, to write some feedback to the organizer about this program. So, on this feedback form. There is an optional question, which is really intriguing. What other rewarding lessons have you learned from this internship? <laughs> well, without hesitation, I write. I will never, never share my bedroom with strangers anymore, and if I do have to, I will never put my temple tissues on the nightstand ever again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's stories, brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>